Welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution Podcast, where women are magical and empowered. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Monday, psychologist turned transformational feminine business coach. This podcast is for you if you want to prioritize your own pleasure, face your fears, and manifest your desires. This podcast is sponsored by the Fearless Feminine Academy, where I teach women how to turn their trauma into their superpowers. My goal is to show women that we can heal our world by creating time and financial freedom by doing whatever the fuck we want. Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. I'm so honored that you're here. Welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Monday, and I'm really excited. We've been chatting in the green room, chatting it up with Caitlin Anderson, the science teacher you wish you had. <laughs> we were talking about all the reasons why, and we're going to talk about them here too. Um, I always start off the episodes by doing a brag intro. So you know the drill, you know the brag. So let's hear your juicy intro. Oh my goodness. So, I do, do you want me to do a brag? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> like how amazing you are. Mm, oh, yes. Well, yeah. My name is Caitlin uh-huh. and I brag. I am the science teacher of your dreams. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm her. She is me. <laughs> and, and I brag this not because I'm the smartest scientist. I'm not. I'm not the smartest scientist, Mm -hmm. but I am the most attuned. I love you so much, even if I've never met you before, because I know that you're a scientist already. And I love the way you think. And I make that clear over and over again through my celebratory philosophy of teaching and doing science together. So even if you are a PhD in physics, or if you say, I, I, I'm so bad at science, all, everything, all of you on the spectrum of yes, science or science, like you all belong. And everyone that joins a science class with me walks away feeling so good about themselves. Reclaiming science. I love Reclaiming it. Reclaiming science. Oh, thank you for that opportunity. That felt wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think this is just like such an important piece. And, um, you know, like I, I know you, we run in some of the sim- similar pleasure circles and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the school system has been going through like its own little revolution slash, I don't know, <laughs> breakdown, breakthrough. You tell me like, what has that, you know, particularly given the COVID years, you know, what was that like in transitioning to this higher calling of, you know, bringing science and reclaiming science for all people? Ooh, you just asked me a lot of things all at once. <laughs> um, well, actually, I'm going to, before I answer that, I'd actually like to, to kick it back sure. to you. Mm. Ooh, Dr. Yeah. Yes. Um, because, because you have a daughter. And yeah. so I actually wonder what that was like for you, mm-hmm. right? I mean, is your is your daughter in public school actually, or what? had she been before? Okay. 
Oh yeah. Like what was the, what was the COVID experience like? Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Cause it was like the spring break that we never came back from, you know, mm. and for mm-hmm. me, I had just started like heavily investing in coaching. And so I was like, I had just done like one of those automated webinars, you know, how those coaches do. And I had just paid like a bundle of money to do this program. And I was just like getting to the point of like running my webinar and ads and everything. And then it was like shut down. And I was like, what? I like went on this, you know? Yeah. And so definitely so- from the parent side, it's, it's totally unexpected. And, you know, we, we had all of these plans in the spring of yeah. 2020 and then suddenly our children are home with us full time. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not only funny. navigating, like, you're not only navigating my home environment is different and the energy is different, like 24 seven different, not just a couple hours a day, but it's like the entirety of it is different. So you're not only managing the difference in your expectations and then your career, which is like a totally separate energetic situation, but then also recognizing what's happening with your children. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, so how was it? Yeah. How it was, was really that? interesting because um, basically we just got like a long summer. I'm over here in Tennessee, like on the East coast, you know, we, we really didn't have much of a shutdown compared to some areas. And mm-hmm. we had like a, a yoga trapeze. Do you know what that is? It's like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so she would like swing on the yoga trapeze and she was just every day. She'd be like, this is the best day of my life. Like during lockdown or especially like the first month or so of that. And so we got like an extra long summer and then uh, her school did have like an online option in person. And I really struggled with that. And a lot of my friends did just like take the year to be home with their kids. And I kind of wish I had done that, but I was like in this really intense, like career building phase. And so I did end up like sending her back. We didn't really have any issues with that. Um, But uh, yeah, it's, and I keep like flirting with the idea of like when all my coaching money comes in, like doing the homeschool thing and like, you know, you offer like such an awesome service uh, to, you know, like the revolutionary coaches and their kids, you know, to allow them to be like little scientists. I mean, just imagine, you know, my coach often talks to me about this and and I'll get into like the why I started and everything, but like in the future, I'm just gonna like have all the the boss women coaches kids like mm-hmm. in you know just in my science class so like y'all can go be a mom boss for an hour or yeah. two right <laughs> so like your kids are taken care of and you can you can take care of business but then like we're gonna be awesome freaking scientists <laughs> yeah and like, all you know, country was, so good I was in Crystal's mastermind Crystal Langdon who is on the podcast go check out her episode um but I was in her mastermind kind of at that time as well like as COVID and the lockdown and everything was happening and I think it finished up in like June July or whatever so it's still like of 2020 you know it was intense moment in time for sure and um you know, it was amazing because she had a daughter uh, a little bit younger than mine, but like they would do little play dates while we were on a coaching call because it was just like everyone was trying to survive that moment of like, what the hell is happening and what do we do? Uh, so like the new challenges of being a mom boss, but I've, I've thought about that because I'm like constantly, you know, a lot of my coaches are West Coast. Well, I'm East Coast. So that puts me like right at like the pickup line. 
<laughs> when a lot of these coaching calls are happening. And so my daughter's like been in the background, you know, like she's been on the call. She always interrupts and says hi, or she's like in the car or whatever. Or she's like, are you on a call? Like, can I see your phone? You know, <laughs> like that thing. Um, so it, it's been really interesting. But I did just think about like all these like little revolutionary babies who've been like, you know, around for like, like the revolutionary programs you offer or like on the coaching calls or like, they're just like growing up. Like, I remember there was this one moment where we were on one, a call with Crystal and people were doing brags. And my daughter's like, are brags bad? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> let me, let's, let's correct this assumption like from the beginning, you know? Oh, um, so it's just so cute to see. I'm like, um, I think we're actually going to do a little bit of like a YouTube um, camp. Like I really want to start a YouTube channel. My daughter really wants to. So I think we're going to have like a little race to see like whose channel does better. Wow. Um, I love that idea. My, my two kids, so my sons are now five and nine and and yeah them too I mean so they, they've been watching lots of YouTube they, they, they like to watch YouTubers who will stream Roblox and and Minecraft and things like that and then when they when they turn off the Roblox and YouTube then then like nothing will be on but then you'll hear them like passing the time together going what's up guys my name is Remy and he, welcome to my yeah. channel like, they're, they're, just, they're like performing what they see yeah. and it, precious it's so precious and so I think that's a really great idea and I mean and so one of the things that really like pained me as a teacher you know yeah. you know we some sort of the stories you know because I was working full-time and I'm in California um and I've been in science education in public schools since or like 2009, 2010. Um, so like really over a decade of, of working in, in public schools and in summer camps, like various forms of education. And what's really unique about me and one of the reasons I say that like, I'm the science teacher you wish you had and I'm the science teacher of your dreams is because I've literally taught every single level from K to 12. Mm. Yeah, which is unusual. It's unusual, yeah, it is. right? And the benefit of teaching science is that like everybody needs a science teacher. So that was it was fortunate that I really enjoyed science, and <laughs> I got a degree in geology uh, back in college. And I, and I had a minor in theater, and I was also doing Glee Club, so I was singing, and and it just brought all all of my love together in this one career, and. And, and I'm also a practicing like Buddhist. Uh, I practice Nichiren Buddhism. And so there's there's this um, like through line through this religion around like every single person has a Buddha nature. Mm -hmm. like, we all have Buddhahood inside of us. And you don't need to die in order to like reach nirvana. You can do it right now. And it doesn't matter how old you are, your gender, your like sexual orientation, like none of that matters. You just are because you're born in this world. And so I've always carried that with me into the classroom as well. Um, and, and that's really how I led my pedagogy and led my teaching practice, um, no matter what level I'm at. So even if I'm teaching first graders versus like 12th grade chemistry, it's sometimes I have to remind myself this, this human is a Buddha. <laughs> Being a real <laughs> asshole right now, but this human is the Buddha. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> so it was it was really disheartening actually the rhetoric um during the shutdown. Um so even in a progressive place like California, right? There was so much anxiety from administrators and parents and students themselves 
like I'm falling behind. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, learning loss. Oh yeah. my God, I'm not gonna. Uh, and I mean, it was particularly troubling for juniors and seniors because they're expecting to have this year in person. Yeah. But you know, um, but, but me, I'm going just just to to that end about you know people making podcasts and 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 YouTube channels. And, and even the language that my son has around Zoom within just a couple of weeks, right? How many participants are there? Should, should we type something in the chat? Who's the host? Who can mute people, right? You know, the, the language that he picked up so quickly, like rapidly learning. So I'm going, what learning loss? They're learning. Yeah. Like they real they are so technologically savvy, actually. And, and it bothers me, I mean, and it's not surprising, really, because if we've had um, decades and generations of a very narrow definition of what academic success looks like, then of yeah. course, anytime it changes, people are going to freak the fuck out. Yeah, you know, I think about my friend's son who, he's 11 now, so he was did like a year, I guess probably his fourth grade year, I'm guessing, and um, she was like, he's ready for college, he like gets himself up to the alarm, and he like logs onto his Zoom, and he like does all his own stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing, how did you do that? But like, you know, those are the life skills, you know, my background is like a psychologist, so I've done a lot of like therapy with like teens and families and clients and stuff like that, and I feel like, um, you know, for the younger generations, like they have so many like amazing, just like gifts and, yes. and superpowers and, yes. you know, wisdom and all this sort of stuff. But like, I think because of our modern instant gratification society, like they don't have like some basic skills of like <laughs> how to live on their own, you know, well, obviously that's, like developmental, yeah, like, but. To be fair though, you know, I graduated from college in 2009, kind of like in yeah. the height of no child left behind and, and like, oh, Get good grades and never miss a day of school. Like I graduated Matha Cum Laude from my college, like a private college and everything. And as soon as I graduated, I was like, oh no, now what? Yeah. I'm not going to graduate school. I decided I wasn't going to go to graduate school, like worked at summer camp. <laughs> and I was like, what do I do now though? And there was a piece of me that's like, I understand school. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to teach mm-hmm. in school because mm-hmm. that's, that's what I understand. But like going and getting some other like quote unquote real job was very terrifying. Like I didn't, I didn't know how to budget. Still working on that. You know I, mean? I mean, I could, I could cook some things for myself, but I didn't really know how to like buy groceries that then wouldn't go bad. Like I didn't know how to buy the right amount for me. I was used to like my parents buying things so I could see what a full fridge looked like for a family of four. Right. But for me as a single person, woo. and, you know, so, so, I mean, even the, so I, I just always like preface, you know, when people say things like, oh, these kids lack, lack basic skills. And I'm like, well, no one taught me basic skills either. I floundered yeah. for five years. Not maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't that long, but, but I just think that it's a mistake to say that. It, and I'm not saying that you're saying this, but, but like I've heard people say, well, you know, the wonderful yeah. internet where, where I like kind of put myself out there and then people are like, yeah, but the kids are falling behind and they don't know how to blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hold on though. I did all the things I was told I was supposed to do. And then a recession hit and I like, you know, my peers, like millennials are in crushing crippling debt. Yeah. And so like, please don't come at me with, but you have to get good grades in school because that is just unequivocally false. That does not guarantee that you will be successful 
Yeah, that's an excellent point for sure. Yeah. So, I, oh no, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. Yo, yo, yo. Me. Okay. Thank Megan. I mean, so, so I mean, I was just going to sort of pivot and transition yeah. to then the idea around my program, the Joyful Learning Laboratory, um, because so you know, I worked in education for you know, over ten years and had been in public school classrooms, like charter classrooms and uh, small and big schools, mostly in Title I schools. Um, and if, if someone doesn't know what that is, it's uh, with a certain percentage of your school population gets free or reduced lunch. So, you know, um, kind of hovering around the poverty line. Um, and then kids often need extra services like from the government. Um, so I was working with a really like specific population in the San Francisco Bay Area in all of the schools that I taught at, whether it was elementary, middle or high school. But I really prided myself on being 100% at my job. Like when I'm at work, I'm not thinking about my kids. That's mm-hmm. just the boundary that, that allowed me to be really, really good. But as soon as I leave school, I'm not at work. Yeah. So the pandemic really fucked with that. And now I can do neither one of them well. And that, that was crushing, mm. crippling into like my psyche, right? Like how, how, how do, how do I now navigate my self-worth if, and I, and I was a newly single parent at this point as well, right? So, so not only <laughs> navigating uh, upheaval of your profession, and, and what a cruel joke too, because I've moved schools many times because I'm just, I'm so much and many schools like couldn't handle me. So I've like <laughs> moved around a lot, um, which is why I've had the privilege of working K through 12. Um, but then also, but figuring out how to do all of this by myself, but now also I can't do anything at a hundred percent. So that means yeah. I'm absolutely failing. At That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so if giving all of myself, like a hundred percent of myself isn't good enough, then what gets to be good enough? Do I then like sacrifice what I think is like top tier teaching or top tier momming? Like, and everybody was having these conversations with themselves too, right? Yeah. But, um, but even if I can sort of manage my expectations, now there now there's all of these conversations about like the learning loss and learning gap and everything like that, and I'm and I'm like killing myself trying to now figure out once again, I feel like a first year teacher, because like every time you move schools, it's like starting over, even though you bring your classroom management skills and your and curriculum, it, for me, it didn't really work. Because if I if I started in a high school chemistry classroom, now I'm going to move down to an elementary school classroom where I'm teaching grades one through six, I can't take hardly anything that I was teaching the last year, right? So it's like, I'm literally starting over. And then, and then if I move to a middle school classroom, well, I, I kind of understand where the kids are in between elementary and high school, but that's a totally different curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so not only have I like been here before feeling like a first year teacher, but with many years of experience, but now it's all online. Ugh, so then on top of that, like, it, I'm, it's crazy top of that like administrators are telling me like my shit isn't rigorous enough I'm like you know what actually 
I'm I'm literally your most senior science teacher right now in your network. You, I I actually refuse to be spoken to this way. Good so for I, you. It was really hard. It was excruciating. It was hard, and it wasn't hard, right? I had been well, feeling the rupture, kind of like the like the like love lost, right, for the profession that I'd given like a decade of my life to it. And here I am again, continuing to be not believed, silenced, kind of gaslit professionally. Ooh. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and of course, none of us had a playbook for it. Nobody knew what they were doing. Yeah. But but if, if I have the courage to say, hey, I'm one of maybe two single parents in, in our network and I'm telling you this is too much for me to handle. If your response is, no, it's not because I'm not struggling. Wow, actually, fuck you. (laughs) Because then what's the point of me being here if you're not going to listen to me? It's like you checked a box, had a conversation with Caitlin, but are not going to listen to my valid concerns about my specific circumstance, being the most senior science teacher in the network. Like, no, sorry. Definitely the patriarchy in action. And, you know, I've had a lot of clients over the years that were teachers and they were like very gifted. They had a love for it. I mean, they're like literally doing the work of, you know, propelling our society forward by raising our young. And um, the bureaucracy has just like killed it. Like the no child left behind, the testing. Um, I don't know if you agree with that, but like it just killed the, you know, like you can't even teach what you want or do what you want because it's like, you got to study the test. Like, literally we just got done with the two weeks of testing, you know, for my daughters in third grade. And it was like, they were like sending us like, you know, I'm okay. I'm exaggerating. I'm like an exaggerator, but it felt like, like if you like check your kid in late on a testing day, like you're going to be doing the mom walk of shame and they're going to (laughs) like, you know, like they were literally calling like, don't have your kids be late tomorrow. There's testing. And it's like, I mean, they're fucking in third grade. Like, who cares, you know? And so, I mean, I know that that's how they get their money and that's the whole like bureaucracy piece of it, but I'm like, I just feel like it ruined the school system. So I don't know if that's, you know, lines up with your opinion on it, but just as a parent, you know, people who support teachers, God, I feel like teaching is one of the hardest, like most thankless jobs. So when I saw you developing your learning lab, I'm like, oh, okay. She's privatizing it. Like she's doing it her way. And she's (laughs) like, focus on what's most important, which is like inspiring the kids to actually like it and learn and live it. Right. Yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, testing is, yeah, the behemoth of the patriarchy <laughs> inserting itself in schools. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, and, and there could be such a simple fix to that. Right. Uh, my son, my son's also oh, in third grade. Yeah. The simple fix is don't have testing first thing in the morning. Yeah. Just, just test after recess. You dummies! <laughs> like, oh my god! Like, it's just, it's so like kids are gonna be late. Parents are gonna have things happen, yeah. and also if they're late, like they'll catch up. They might be the last one to finish. Who the fuck cares? Like yeah. all teachers who are worth their salt. Um, I, this may feel very controversial, but I really do believe this. Like teachers who are worth their salt. No, the testing is bullshit. Yeah. And yet they know we, like you said, we know we have to do it because of the funding. Yeah. Is this the way school should be funded? Fuck no, it's not how school should be funded. And I feel like it's like every child left behind when you (laughs) make it that way, you know? And I just, 
you know, like, I feel like teachers are, like, literally killing themselves to, like, you know, provide a good experience and, like, do all the paperwork and check all the boxes and then deal with all of the, like, administrative bureaucracy bullshit. And and it's not even teaching, right? It's it's soul-sucking. And even if we didn't have all of those things, Mm -hmm. we would not be able to do our jobs well because of how many children are in our classroom. Mm-hmm. So I, I did a really fun experiment where I just took my current salary and I divided it by the number of hours mm-hmm. in a school year and then divided it by the number of kids on my roster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What'd you get? Less than $2 per student, mm-hmm. like per day, essentially. Yeah. You cannot do anything well for $2. You can't. Uh -uh. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe in an Asian country where the dollar is really strong, you know, (laughs) you can get like a good meal for $2 or even like a hotel room, but like for one night, you know what I mean? It's, but it's, and that's an unfair comparison and everything like that, but like, if you're going to do a service job, Mm -hmm. right? If I pay $2 to like get my nails done or get my hair cut or go to a therapist, Like, I'm going to get what I pay for, really, because it's just yeah. like, this is worth $2 to me. And like, that's, that's what society is telling us. Like we have, yeah. I, I think my largest caseload ever was 160 students in a year. Nope, that's wrong. Because when I taught elementary school, I had like 21 classes. So it was, it was like 500 students. I had the whole school that I was teaching oh. science and I knew every single one of their names first and last. Whoa. Wow. Yes. However, I mean, what then gets sacrificed is time, right? So the first through third graders, I got to see once a week for 35 minutes. And if you're coming into the class, it takes like five minutes to get settled. And then it takes like seven minutes to clean up. So you're really only getting like 28 solid minutes of science. But heaven forbid anything emotional happens or something goes wrong or there's a fire drill or whatever, like we're just getting interrupted all the time by like the human condition. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so part of the reason for starting the joyful learning laboratory and to very intentionally have no more than like six kids in a class mm. changes the whole atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. You, you just kind of went, mm, right? It's into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You're going to get to do some some real learning. You're gonna you're gonna be visible in that classroom because kids can go a whole week never hearing their name. They might go a whole school mm. year never hearing their name. Oh, like oh, that burns a little bit. Ouch! I hadn't thought of the practicality of that. My goodness. Yeah. If you if English is not your first language, if mm. you have a neurodivergent brain, mm. if you don't feel confident in reading. Mm-hmm. or you know for whatever reason um or, or or like going into a science classroom and you decided at age 10 I'm not good at science probably because a teacher told you <laughs> right or I'm not good at math and therefore I can't do science or math there's mm-hmm. I mean there's there's so many choices that a child makes to survive yeah. in a classroom that has too many people Mm-hmm. And they've learned that the brains that can process quickly and raise their hands, you know, they're the ones who get rewarded. Mm-hmm. That kind of thinking is celebrated. Mm-hmm. 
that kind of response is celebrated. So if your brain needs time to catch up, Mm -hmm. we're already ahead of you. Mm -hmm. But in a class of six people, I can see you need time, right? There's time time and attention, yeah. The things that you don't have in public school, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, instead of a $2 experience, in public school, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You're getting like a hundred dollar experience mm-hmm. in my class, <laughs> which is like, ooh, oh my gosh, I want to pay a hundred dollars for my haircut, kind of thing. <laughs> like, but, or what's worth it? Like, hundred dollars for my therapy session. Like, I know I'm going to be held in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I've decided to do my work on Zoom so that I like people have access to me because. Mm-hmm you might have a good teacher, but that's someone that's in your zip code, right? Mm-hmm. And so why don't we just erase the zip codes and be like, yeah, come to my class. I'm the best science teacher you will ever have. Again, not because I'm the smartest, but because I'm keyed into you and how your brain works. And I can and watch what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that like really touches my heart because um, my husband, when we were in grad school, when I was in grad school dating, um, I was learning how to give like the IQ test and so I just like vetted him out and like practiced on him and gave him an IQ test just to like you know see and he's like very brilliant and smart and was like a genius level but he had ADHD um you know uh trouble in school like he tells a story of like they I'm sure he- he would love me telling this on the airwaves, but that's okay, honey. We're going to tell it anyway. Like they like locked him in the closet, like when he was, you know, a kid because they didn't know how to handle him. And yeah. it's because like the school system, he had a learning disability. Like, you know, it, it wasn't for him because they didn't know what the fuck to do with him. And um, luckily he found his way into becoming like a machinist and working with his hands and like using his brilliance, but he carried so much stuff around what they put on him because he you know, they didn't, they couldn't serve him. They couldn't recognize his needs. And I think that, I mean, I've had that happen to so many clients and I always tell my clients like, you know, that like, particularly with neurodiverse, you know, people a lot of times carry the baggage of like, I'm not smart. And if you have that limiting belief, that's going to influence your entire life. It colors, it colors everything you do from that moment on. Right. And that's reinforced. <laughs> and it's, it's like, as soon as you're labeled as a problem or not good or not smart, or like you behave that way, we lock you in the closet. <laughs> you know, Tennessee in the 70s or 80s. <laughs> not good. My heart goes out to your hubby. That, like, that, was, that was not okay that that happened to him. That yeah. Was not okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and but, but it's, kids get left behind, and they get you know we just love yeah. a box and a label, and yet it's not it, it's not with the intention to really like help or serve. It's just mm-hmm. you know to to stigmatize a lot of times. One one of the things that became really clear in the pandemic is you know an educators and parents started really asking a question like, okay, who is school really for? Mm. Who's school for? Ooh, that's because. I mean, that was the question I was really wrestling with because it's sure as hell not the students. Yeah. If it was really for kids <laughs> or the people that work there, we'd have working lights and we'd have working sinks and we'd have working bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And we'd have fewer people in every single class so that every kid could really learn. But no, we have like 30 and upwards. 
like over 30 kids in some classrooms. Mm. And it's, there's, yeah, like you said, it's like everybody gets left behind. Yeah. Because even the kids that were getting A's in all of their classes have so much anxiety because again, we reward that those kinds of brains, we reward performance. So they're feeling like it's never going to be enough, is it? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's never going to be enough. And I noticed like with my daughter, when they started in, I think it was maybe around first grade, they started doing this like time math test and she's, she's about five planets in Capricorn. Like, okay. Like but she does not move fast. Like, <laughs> you know, like that is not how she is like wired. And so it's really, you know, like she would get anxious and then she'd go blank. We freeze. Right. When we have that, like the nerves get high enough, we fight, fight or freeze or, or sometimes as women, we tend to be friends, but you know, it's like, why do we have to have that time pressure component? I remember the little me freaking out over um, those kind of like time tests as well. And I saw a meme somewhere that's like, if you, if you've got like well-behaved student, you now have an anxiety disorder. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, as an adult, because like those of us that did like, you know, and I feel like as a people pleaser, I was like, oh my God, I got to be like the good girl. And I was smart and nerdy and like all that stuff. And I just was yes. like, I got to achieve to be okay. You know? Oh, yeah. And, you know, and to, be to, to be valued, to be valued, to be recognized, to have a seat at the table. Yeah. I have to like outperform what I did yesterday. It's not even necessarily about outperforming the men the or like, it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, absolutely. And so, so that's really what I was experiencing. Like I am killing myself and I care so deeply about these kids in the pandemic right that like Mm. I I can see teaching the content right now is actually not where it's at Mm -hmm. we need to do social emotional learning like I need I need to like teach you how to be okay crisis work yeah oh yeah and crisis work that's exactly what it is like we're in crisis and, and I'm going to, I'm not going to be the teacher that, you know, like, <laughs> but, but so then I got dinged because I like, wasn't using enough math in my classroom. And I was like, fuck right off. Yeah. How dare you come in here and tell me what my class should look like? How dare you? Damn right. There's no math in my class right now. That's what math class is for. Right now we're doing science and the psychology of crisis. Right? And I don't take care of our bodies. Because I was learning all of this incredible stuff from Crystal Lang and I was like, oh my God, I can self-soothe. I don't have to like get my hit of dopamine from (laughs) for the Venus. Yeah. (laughs) Achieving. Yeah. Yeah. And like I have to share this with everybody, you know. (laughs) It's like we're functioning pretty well. And that was like a terrifying and very stressful and you know traumatic time for us but then like you know like what about the families that are not as privileged and that you know really are like they're facing you know am I going to eat like am I going to survive this a lot of the families that that I you know was was teaching in um when I finally left the classroom in January 2020 and so so I mean also this rhetoric around like the learning gap and I'm like okay also there are families who have like five children and one router Mm -hmm. and mom and dad need to get online. So it's like, who gets to sign on today? Wow. Yeah. I mean, that seems like such a basic thing. And honestly, I totally did not even think about that. Yeah. 
right? And so, so the, people are like operating from a very privileged space. Yeah. Well, my child was able to get on, and yeah. and but like we all know. of you are falling behind. Like, oh, <laughs> okay. Okay, patriarchy. Internet, okay. <laughs> internet, like in rural areas. I mean, it, internet itself is like a privileged thing. Yeah, right, right, absolutely. So, so there, there are all of these like intersexual, intersexual, intersectional. A little failing, but I, I'm here for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to say this, like mm. intersectionality. Yes. Yeah. You know. Just, maybe that's where we want to go next, right? <laughs> It's all connected is what I'm trying to say. But but yeah, that like the in, the intersectional failings of society yeah. around like like how we really feel like if it, if this was really about children, yeah, then then it would be like countywide high speed internet. If this was yeah. really about children, we'd all have MacBooks, right? If this was really about children, we'd make sure that every kid has like enough pencils and enough to eat and like glasses if they need to see all of these things and so they don't and then it gets, school becomes a catch-all to try mm. to make up for these things because we care so deeply about the kids but then but like you alluded to all of these other administrative and like paperwork there but oh yeah we also need to teach them but our children are in crisis and they've signed on for the first time and they're not turning on their camera. Like, I'm not going to force that kid to turn on their camera. Yeah. But it was so heartbreaking because at the same time, like, I'm I'm a teacher and, like, I'm also trying to support my two children. And and my, my sweet, you know, seven-year-old is having a meltdown because he doesn't understand this, like, stupid fucking teachers pay teachers about john f kennedy you know what i mean like oh, is he reading this you know and and so i was just like what what am i even doing like i'm fighting and i hate this and this isn't even how kids learn i can't like, it was really it was really this moment of i can't do this anymore and and so and so initially it was you know thinking about all of the girls especially right we, we talked about this a little bit um in, in the green room before but like the, the girls that just decide from early on because of the messaging, right? That I'm not good at math, I'm not good at science, but I went, but what if we just had enough time to explore? So in my classes, we do one experiment, maybe two in an hour because shit goes wrong in science all the time <laughs> like inevitably happens especially if you're doing an experiment for the first time mm -hmm. so we we in the joyful learning laboratory give permission for things to fail and then to try again i love that such a powerful life lesson so needed oh, powerful. i mean i'm still learning it you know i also people pleaser perfectionist recovering <laughs> yeah. and and it, it, it's like, it's so healing for me also to watch these kids that, and some, some of them have been with me since 2020, you know, so that they, they may be in their like fifth round with me Aww. currently now. Oh no, it was, they, they, yeah, some of them started, I launched in September, 2020. And then I really, and, and back then it was called dope af science <laughs> and i had all girls sign up it was a happy accident uh, even though this was uh, envisioned for them for young girls mm -hmm. because i reasoned you know if if girls know 
that yes, you can do science. It just takes you a little bit longer or there's permission to like think about it and decide whether or not you want to try again, as opposed to we did it and we move on. And then here's the test. And we did a new one and then we moved on. There's oh, nobody can learn that way. Ugh. Die. <laughs> just die in that, that, you know, environment. And so it's completely flipping the script around how we do learning and how we do science. Um, and then in 2021, I was like, oh, people who know me will understand dope AF science is meant to be like edgy and fun, but <laughs> I needed a little bit of help to be like, hmm, how can I make this like more palatable, but still like be great in person? <laughs> and so came up with the Joyful Learning Laboratory. And I think it really encapsulates what our classes are like too. It's so joyful in these spaces. And, and, and there are there's client after client, you know, whose kids will sign up and then sign up again and again, who had traumatic experiences in public school because, because many of the kids actually that come to me have neurodivergent brains okay. and did not experience success in a classroom with 25 to 30 people. Okay. And they're experiencing so much success in my classroom. And their parents are sending me messages like, you are our science teacher in our household. Uh, recently, I got a message saying, you are the reason homeschooling is going well. Aw, so valid. Yeah, I know, so good. And then um, in my summer classes, you know, or I'm, I'm starting to promote my summer classes for this year. And, and there was a family that said, our daughter has been talking about you since summer classes ended last year. So I'm literally the science teacher of your dreams, right? I'm like dreaming about it. That's yeah. so powerful because I can literally remember, I think it was like probably maybe seventh or eighth grade when I decided I was bad at math. Like I can remember because I was in like in a little advanced math circle. And then I remember just kind of being like, oh, I don't think girls are supposed to do this. I give up, you know, like literally I can remember that moment. And so- yeah. I mean, hello, like I went all the way with PhD um, kind of thing. Um, but still, like, I still can't do math very well. <laughs> like, it's a mental block, you know, and it's a mindset limiting belief, right? It's not actually true. And so, I mean, it's been so validating for me to see um, my daughter really have like natural talent in like STEM or in science, or she's like, I'm so good at math. And I'm like, yeah, you are like, go you know yeah, like, girl. It's, yes. it's amazing to see it and that's what we were talking about in the green room was like will that last I mean she's still young enough like a lot of times I hear teachers say like eight nine ten eleven you know like in that little like shift to where like kind of puberty and you know becoming a woman by the time they're in middle school it's like a really different ball game you know and the girls just start to it's like oh like my picture doesn't look good anymore like I'm gonna play small you know like they just learn it from each other and from you know tv or whatever and it's so sad to think um that that's a thing and then you know another issue just kind of that relates to me is kind of tangential but like a little bit related is that like when there's a feminization of the field like like you know psychology used to be traditionally a male field and now it's like mostly women and so guess what the you know prices have gone down same thing with teaching you know like anytime you're in a field that is mostly women 
we experienced like a huge wage gap. And so here, like, you know, if you go the academic route, <laughs> I'm like, shit, I should have just been a coach from like, you know, kind of making money from the beginning um, instead of yes. wasting 10 years and having a huge student loan payment and all that sort of stuff. Not that it was a waste because there was training, but still like, you know, I could have been like living life and making money versus like paying to learn, <laughs> you know, paying to work, paying to learn. Um, and so I just think it's so powerful, like when we have women leadership, what, you know, and it really needs to be in like all the fields, because I personally believe um, that like, even all the way up to college, like it's just, the, the educational system is broken. Like it's not meant to like be fun. It's not meant to be like enriching. It's not really meant to like, you know, it's programming at a certain level, you know? So I just really, I'm hopeful that like people like you who are, you know, taking the the joy and putting it back in and doing it your own way. Like I remember when lockdown and COVID happened, like everyone was like, can we just like all get together and like, maybe we can do this better, you know? And I think that's what you're doing, which is so exciting. You're doing it better. Thank way you. Better. Yeah. And I mean, my, my training in, in summer school, like informed a lot of this. I loved doing that. It was wonderful because there, because there's no assessment at the end. We're just exploring, mm-hmm. right? And that's always informed what I did then in the classroom. But then, then I, I have these expectations and, and tests and blah blah blah, and it just it ruins everything. We all know it ruins everything. Yeah, when you try to codify it and and yeah, and they intentionally I think make it boring so that people aren't like free thinkers and critical thinkers and that we won't like cause a ruckus and we won't like challenge the control systems and all that sort of stuff and so you know I think it's just yeah it's not like it's not in our best it's a it's a system of the patriarchy you know and there's some schools that have a little more leeway than others but like I I really think that um when you see a revolution in school that's when you're gonna see society change you know yeah and I also Totally. Yeah. And I was just going to say too, like, it's, it's not just like a revolution in school, but I think you're going to start to really see in the next like 10 years, a revolution of teachers because, because you're right. It is a very feminized profession, but like, you've been pushing us around for generations now. And, and like, and we're just like, I know, right. Because you think we can't, you think we're pushovers. Mm -hmm. Like you, you make us get these specialized degrees many of us have master's degrees and phds yeah and still don't fucking listen to us when we're we tell you. you we know what we're doing we yeah. I, I i did that i did the count i have worked with over six thousand kids six thousand wow. megan through from elementary school all the way up through high school summer camps and schools like i know what i'm talking about i know what i'm doing and so in that moment, you know, when I decided to, to leave public education, when, when you tell me I'm not doing it right, you can fuck right off. <laughs> Absolutely not here to be belittled and, and professionally gaslit, like I said before. Um, and I think that there's, there's now a movement among teachers that are recognizing yeah. that one, we have, to, we have to speak up and we have to get political. And, and we have to vote people into office who are going to be really on our side. And, and like going to school boards matters, like being on the union matters. And, and it took me, you know, kind of until the year before I left to realize, oh my gosh, this matters a lot. 
it matters who is making these decisions on our behalf because we should be the ones making decisions but we don't that's how our like stupid fucking country works <laughs> so then if that's the case like you now, now we're going to be able to advocate for ourselves and so we're I think I think there's it's not only just like a revolution in like the curriculum that we teach and like giving giving us a little bit more freedom in in how we deliver that curriculum because they're trying to tamp it down now right so you can't teach critical race theory in classrooms and and you had and, and what was happening in was it Ohio wherever it was um that you have to submit all of your lesson plans by June oh and, it, and I'm going, I'm sorry, some people are not hired until August. How are they supposed to submit their lesson plans to you? And heaven forbid there's some sort of natural disaster, right? Like a tornado comes through or in California it might be like an earthquake or a fire and or, or like COVID happens. Like uh, you, you want me to teach the thing that I told you I'd be teaching on October 3rd? But this thing, that, like, or, or fucking school shootings. You know what I mean? Like there's all of these things but, and and so so really it's that politicians and men like let's be real men and like conservative men, men mm-hmm. are are trying to control us because they see that we're waking up to the bullshit so they're trying to put us in a cage and you're gonna just have the best of us like me leave yeah because they just want to be able to control but like I'm pioneering this path where I'm like, fuck it, I don't need a school. I don't need a school to teach well. I'm teaching well right now. And I have yeah. people that have called in from the Netherlands to do my class. People yeah. that have called in from Mexico to do my class. It's mm-hmm. that important to them. We're on vacation and we're signing into science with Caitlin. Mm-hmm. And, and so I really do think that what you're going to see are teachers who you cannot push around. Mm. Or if you continue to push us, we're all going to leave. Yeah. And that's how we're going to start this revolution. And and it's very exciting. It's like terrifying, but it's also exciting. And I'm really glad that I decided to leave when I did because, you know, and I've been going back to substitute teach as, you know, another stream of income. And, and so it's been really good to kind of have um, a foot in the pond still because yeah. I can listen to what my colleagues are talking about. I can listen to what students are talking about. So it continues to inform and also validate this choice that I've made. Mm-hmm. And when anybody asks me about it, they're just like, oh my God, you're doing it. Oh my God, look at you. you know? <laughs> yeah, you're a little pioneer, like forging your own path. And like, I think back to the teachers that like really inspired me, like I had an amazing French teacher, you know, I think of like the ones that like really changed my life and that's like yeah. priceless. And, yes. and so many people, like a lot of the clients I've worked with, like they couldn't count on their parents because I don't know, maybe mental health or addiction or whatever was going on. Like, you know, they didn't have a, a like a stable positive role model in their life. And a lot of times that is the teacher, like, and a teacher who like gives a fuck and actually can see what's happening and like cares about people like I mean that can change someone's whole like life path totally yes absolutely and and so you know sort of my next flavor of business I'd love to talk about just briefly I know we're probably like way at time but um but yeah I have I I feel very deeply that I have been that teacher for some students but now I'm no longer in the classroom right? So people have to find me and like, what? it's great and it's awesome, but it is a shame. You know, I had a really huge impact over the last decade plus that I've been in classrooms. 
Um, even if, you know, the kid and I never got along, like I'm still like planting that seed in that child's life mm-hmm. with my version of science. And, and of course, early in my career, those kids didn't get the best version of me, but that's okay. That's, you, you don't meet everybody at their best. Version, I don't think we're always evolving too. However, you know, if, if it continues again to happen this way, that teachers are going to leave education entirely, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I'm on I'm on TikTok, and and I'm definitely on the teacher talk side. So I'm seeing colleagues, even though they're they're people that I've never met, and many of them are just quitting. Many of them quit this year. And it's heartbreaking because because I can tell, even though it's probably the good ones too. You know, like exactly, your I can leaving. tell these were the good ones. These are the ones that yeah. gave a fuck about their students, like every single one, yeah. and they're just pushed pushed out. What a shame. And so I wish at that moment that I was deciding whether to stay or go, that I just would have had anybody who said, I see what you're doing. I see you. Mm -hmm. This is possible to do instead of just being like, your curriculum's not rigorous enough. (laughs) Shut up. I know it's intentional. Damn it. (laughs) So, so I also desire to, to support teachers because they're the ones who, and I fall into this camp as well, in a way, have learned also that what's celebrated in teaching is martyrdom. Mm -hmm. What's celebrated Mm -hmm. as good teaching is to Mm -hmm. sacrifice all of yourself. Don't eat at lunch, grade, grade papers. Go home at six because you're planning for the next day or, or go home and take your work with you, eat dinner really quickly, and then plan until 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. it's horrible it's it's culturally unsustainable in the profession of education so I really desire to work with educators who are looking for sustainability whether they stay or whether they go because me having worked in k through 12 like all levels of education I know the unique challenges of being a teacher at each of those levels, but I also know the unique seasons of teaching because mm-hmm. the teacher you are in September is very different from the teacher in November, yeah. is very <laughs> different from the teacher in January and April and then even May, right? You're about to retire, you know, like that's a lot of my daughter's teachers have like, she's had the last round of them. And I thought like, is that their best year of teaching or their worst year of teaching? Like maybe both, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the year that I was let go, which was such a bullshit story, um, because I was like, I was just doing too much. And the principal was like, she's trouble. <laughs> right. And and so I was let go in February, but I still had to finish the year. Mm. Right. I wasn't asked to return. Like, what a joke. But then I was like, fuck it. I guess I get to do whatever I want now. If you're going to make me yeah. stay in this classroom where you don't want me. And the kids were like, God, I said it. They were, it was great. Those were some of the best four months of teaching that I've ever had. Yeah, unapologetic teaching. That's a lesson that I learned really early on is like in order to disrupt the system, you really have to be outside of it because you get punished for disrupting the system, you know? And so, yeah. So, so So teaching teachers, like, you know, and we said, you know, we both sort of swim in these like pleasure led business circles. Yeah. But pleasure is not something that I know any teacher does for themselves. Like for them, in order to like, unwind it's, it's sometimes it's like we're we're gonna drink at a bar you know they 
<laughs> which is fine, which is totally valid. But like, if our only means of yeah. supporting ourselves is to like have alcohol, like something is very yeah. imbalanced here. So sure. like my, and, and now that like, I, again, I'm outside the system now, but I very deeply understand what it is because I <laughs> like was brought up professionally as a teacher in, in all the different levels of education. And so I, I understand what my colleagues are going through and I, pardon me, and I also have detached mm-hmm. from the minutiae that used to cause me so much grief. And like, I understand why this, why you think this is the most important thing. And what I want the teachers to know is that you are the most important thing. Because mm. if you are burnt out and if you are stressed about every single little thing, like you cannot show up fully for your students. And if the goal is to like be that teacher for at least one kid, you won't be <laughs> if if you haven't eaten, if you haven't slept, if you haven't like read a book for pleasure. Yeah. Right. What I see a lot on the mental health side of things, regardless mm-hmm. of your occupation, is like the people that are in a lot of times, you know, the service industry, like a nurse or a therapist or a teacher you know, working with the public, a lot of times, you know, first of all, they probably had like some trauma. Let's be real. They're like, you know, maybe they were a parentified child or whatever, but like, that's how they got to be in the service industry and good at it. But then, um, you know, those industries are like super high burnout. And so what I see for a lot of people is they're workaholics and then they become disabled because they have either really bad health conditions or they have really, you know, they just can't do it anymore. They have a mental health issue. And it's like, almost like, that kind of thing like forces them out because they won't leave on their own. And um, I saw that happen with my, my dad. Um, he was a lawyer and just had a really toxic workplace and he got cancer and he ended up getting forced out. And yet that's why he's still alive is because he didn't keep that, you know, toxic job. And so, you know, having counseled people like, when you think about leaving a job and you're trapped in there because you got to pay the bills, like that is one of the scariest places to be. And I just, I've been trying to make that, you know, change myself to, you know, my dream is to one day close the doors to my private practice. But right now it's, you know, paying the bills mostly. And so, you know, it's just so hard to feel trapped. Like, I feel like that's one of the most stressful human emotions for anybody, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, if you're feeling trapped, that is super stressful in the organism and you can only do that for so long. Right. And you're a science teacher, you tell me like, (laughs) you know, or, or, you know, for teachers too, like we're, we're 10 month employees. We don't get paid in the summer. So then teachers will take a second job or a third job in the summer and just work year round. When, when like our job is so unique and it was really stupid because people tried to like equate us to nurses and being like nurses are doing their fucking jobs why don't you you know like they were like oh I'm, no 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 I we are not the same <laughs> not the same because a nurse does not see 160 kids in a day shut yeah. the fuck up <laughs> like, and also when the nurse was trained to do that thing we are not trained to be like the front line of your virus. Like, no, (laughs) that's not what we're here to do. We're literally here to teach curriculum and we do all these other things because nobody else is doing them. But like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna sacrifice ourselves or, but then we feel like we're supposed to because it's our job. And and that whole thing about being, you know, trapped is what a lot of, I guess that was a non sequitur, like, but important, but, (laughs) but also, but yeah, a lot of teachers, you know, either like can't take time off 
or they stay in a job because they know that that's where their paycheck is coming from. And so for me too, I, I had, I think I was, I had two coaches at a time at, at the time that I was deciding whether to stay or go. And it was really, I could play it out in my head. If I stay, I'm, I'm fucked anyway. Yeah. Because I like, I don't believe in this. Mm-hmm. Like the direction that my school is going, I don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't do this. So brave. Oh, many people think that that and stay, you know, and that's when you're, you're out of integrity with yourself. So, so true. So true. I mean, that's how it was with my marriage too. I didn't realize like, I I can't stay. I don't, I don't, like, I feel dead anyway, you know? Um, And so, so I guess I have a lot of, I personally have a, like a high tolerance for that kind of risk, it seems, because <laughs> I kind of do it over and over again. Um, and, and it's a but real- That's why you're the perfect coach, right? <laughs> I'm playing the perfect coach, um, but also because I, like, I pioneered this path yeah. so, that, so that you don't have to pioneer the path, yeah. right? Go further faster. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, exactly. And so like, if we, oh, my child's here, hold on one moment. I love that, you know, Caitlin can take a minute to talk to her kid because that was really what really struck me about the coaching industry was I would see these like amazing coaches who were nursing their kids during a session or like, you know, hold on, I got to Like, I can be my whole person. I can stop and talk to my kid. You know, I just love it. So thank you for demonstrating that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was my my little one was informing me that that he and his brother swapped watching devices. <laughs> I'm like, look, mom, we switched. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so cute. Um, wait, what were we talking about? Oh, pioneering the path, right? And so, so yes, I I agree with you, right? That like the reason I'm the perfect coach, um, especially for a teacher who feels trapped right now, yeah. and that describes a lot of teachers who care so deeply about the kids that they work with, but are not at, um, simultaneously re- um, receiving or within a community mm-hmm. that fills their cup too. Yeah. So and that community piece is huge. Mm-hmm. Huge, right? Mm-hmm. So these teachers are not only feeling isolated emotionally, but they may be siloed in their classrooms where kids may be really struggling and they're racking their brains, like hours on Pinterest or teachers pay teachers to get ideas. And then they try something and then it fails. And and then that's when the principal decides to do their walkthrough. <laughs> uh-huh. And and then has nothing positive to say or has a pithy, like, oh, good job. You know, like it's, it's exhausting. And then on top of that, I have to come back tomorrow. Right? <sighs> yeah. So, so, so again, my vision is to have teachers who in the moment have tools at their disposal to like connect back with their body. Cause we operate from like here, up, mm-hmm. right. Totally. Going around because, because we're like, we were all the smartest in our class kind of thing. We're very intelligent and, and we care very deeply about our job. So if we just reason through the problem, we'll be able to fix it, but you cannot do that day after day, after week, after month, after year, after year, after year, right. So the disassociation is very, very high right now. Like we're not connected to our bodies, but it's very scary to do something differently if you don't have a coach who's practiced it and will tell you, I know this is different. I know this feels scary. 
and you know that you can't continue the way that you've been going. And, and, and what's different about like me than a therapist, right? Like, I don't have training in the psychology or whatever it is, but I, I deeply understand the unique seasons, the unique challenges. You lived it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lived it, lived it for decades and all the different grade levels. And so I do know about like the adolescent brain and I do know about how like learning works. And, and yet like we have been absent from the conversation, us as people. And so it's, it's, I, I encourage all teachers to just get support, whatever they feel is right for them, whether it is a therapist or someone like me, because I think investing in ourselves is the next part of the revolution, Mm -hmm. right? Because we work off of shoestring budgets. We make things work with, you know, tape and popsicle sticks and we somehow teach about chemistry that way, models and stuff. Oh man, the the things I've done with paper, I tell you, you it's incredible. And, And yet I think it's time that teachers decide or my wish for them is to decide that you are the most important person in that classroom. Yes, those students are important, but but we have to relearn how to take care of ourselves. And it's not just like leave self-care and take a bubble bath. Like that might work, but we need tools and strategies that we can pull on in the moment, in the middle of a stressful job when we recognize I'm having, I'm having those feelings. Um, I know I can't throw hands, but I'd really like to. <laughs> like get back and get back to yourself so that you can have a sustainable career or if you are at your breaking point and you've decided it's really time for me to go I also went through that you know oh my god now I'm not a teacher like here I am again like after graduating from college like I don't know how to human when I left the classroom I don't know how to human what do I do if I don't have the external gratification of a student having that aha moment now I'm my student oh shit, how do I even manage my time? I guess I better like be on Facebook all the time selling stuff, right? <laughs> so, so I've, I've figured out how, how to hold myself through that transition of leaving the classroom. So I can help a teacher who's, who really desperately wants to stay and I can help the teacher that's really ready to go. So tell us how, like, we already talked about maybe Linda being in the learning laboratory. Definitely sold me on a, like, yes, all you have a gift. So, like, tell us how, where do we find you? How do we work with you? I'm so excited that you're going to be joining. I know we've we've been, I've I've been um, seducing Megan for a little while. And so I'm really, but I'm really, really looking forward. she's going to love it. And I'm going to take it. And this is what I always say: like, I'm going to take exquisite care of your child. Like, please don't worry. <laughs> I know you're not, but like, I will take exquisite care of your child. And, and I can say that with certainty. <laughs> so if you have a kiddo who is interested in doing science with me, I teach ages four to 14. And uh, this summer I have uh, two ways that you can work with me. Essentially, I have two three-week classes, three weeks in June and three weeks in July. And the course for, for my um, four to eight-year-olds, it's chemistry fundamentals with an emphasis on the fun. <laughs> and then for our nine to 14-year-olds, we have kitchen chemistry. They're essentially the same class, but the 
the experiments that we do are slightly different and tailored perfectly to our sweet scientist brains. And if you decide to bundle both months together, you get a juicy discount. Um, so my normal is, uh, is a six week session with like a break in the middle. Um, but I know that summer plans, like everybody, people go away. And so then they can't always commit to six weeks. So you get to choose your own science adventure. And the way that you would enroll is going to my website at joyfullearninglaboratory.com. And there are, I think my classes are Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. And I had to, you know, choose times that I thought, okay, both West Coast and East Coast could probably <laughs> join us. Um, and so I think you'll find really, really great options uh, for your family to join. And if you are, if you're listening as an educator and interested in, in working with me, I am really excited to talk to you. I think the best way would be to email me, which you can get to from my website, but uh, you can also email me at joyfullearninglaboratory at gmail.com. And then I'll be able to talk to you about my exciting up and coming program called the Radiant Teacher School. Ooh, I love that. I'm all about I'm, radiance. And I just want to say, like, you know, what really draws me to you is just your passion. And so I love hearing you be such a powerful truth teller and an insider on the outside now, you know, telling us what's up and what needs to change in our schools and looking out for our kiddos, which I mean, they're our future. So I think that's like the most important thing out there so thank you so much for spending the evening with me thank you for having a late night just for me i, I know really literally i had a, a 9 a.m and a 10 a.m podcast you're busy today, today. my goodness yeah it's like a faded day all my favorite people and uh yeah we're doing a late night usually i'm like in the morning kind of like with my cup of coffee mm. like you know a little bit like drowsy you and now we're feeling like a little naughty in late night Ooh, but <laughs> right i red lipstick we were talking before too about like who are we even you know <laughs> oh Megan this was so delightful I would love to come back and talk to you again yeah, anytime please yeah and I'm, I'm loving that I'm having a lot of the people that I loved you chatting with where we could just talk for hours clearly uh you know come back and then you know do another round of conversation so you're welcome back anytime yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I yes. Love that. go check out Caitlin and get your kiddos in there so that they're not all like burned out and hating learning and feeling like they're not good at it when really actually they're hella smart like you say right <laughs> yeah I I say that you know through through this class it just so happens that I teach science but really what we do in kitchen chemistry and chemistry fundamentals like really what I do in the joyful learning laboratory is hold a mirror up to your child mm. and, and help them see their own genius. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens we also do science. <laughs> but this science plus. Science plus. Yes, yes, exactly. It's science plus. And 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 like how how gorgeous will our future be if we just have empowered children that that know because they had a teacher that was telling them over and over again. Mm -hmm. I'm, I never thought about doing it that way. That was so cool the way you solved that problem. Oh, wow. I really appreciated that you cleaned that up right away. Thank you so much for supporting your mom and dad by cleaning up that mess. Or anything or, you need to clean? Oh my God. You sold me. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> and, and, 
or, you know, give, just giving them permission to be like, what if I did this? Like, that's a great idea. As long as your mom's okay, like go ahead and do that. Um, but, but it's like, it's like giving children permission to be the conductors of their learning. Hmm. I give them the materials and I tell them, you know, what we're doing. But I definitely have kids that are like, who now know that it's safe for them to say, we, Caitlin, I'm, I wasn't listening. Can you repeat those directions? <laughs> we'll say, That's an important life skill. So important. And I go, yes, it is my favorite thing to repeat the directions to you. It is safe to do that. It is safe to have like a moment where your brain wanders because nobody can focus your brain and doing a thing. And there's so much happening, right? It's so much stimulus. And, and so in my program, it's just the whole human gets to come. And if that whole human has a meltdown, it's like, great, you're having some feelings. Let me know how I can support you. And if that human, like one of my kids for, for a whole session, not a single one of his experiments worked, Mm -hmm. but he begged his mom to come back Mm. because it's not about doing it right. It's just about showing up and trying. And then the second time he came back, every single one of his experiments. Oh, what a powerful testimonial. I'm so glad you shared that. And like, what if we, what if, you know, God, I mean, I know one of the scariest things for me is like fear of failure. And it's like, what if that wasn't a fear? What could I do? What would be possible? You know, what would be possible? Yeah, love it. Well, I have to get home to my little ones, but I could talk to you all night. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We'll definitely have you back. And um, we'll look fill up those learning labs of all these little genius kids who are yes, going to go on to change the world. And yes. All, oh, the, co- all the coaches kids. Thank all you so kids. much for talking to me. Yeah, and all the coaches kids are in there. So, you know, if you want your kid to be a leader in the future. <laughs> like, it's so true. Like, it's, it's all the coaches kids. So, like, you're all in good company. And man, but I'm telling you, it's going to sell out this summer. So if you're, if y'all are, if y'all are curious, y'all are interested, time to get on it because uh, your girl's going to be dropping in some other podcasts and lots of people across the country are going to be hearing about me. So if you, if you don't want to get waitlisted. Get your yeah. All right, everybody. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.